listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen, man. Already excited to worship with y'all. Just, you know, we are going to sing some more after the message. We thought it would be appropriate this morning to sing a little bit more after we talked about the good news of the resurrection. And so promise we're going to get to do that a little bit more. You know, I think for, for some of us, um, Easter is like uh, the way my two-year-old's approach something. So my wife and I, if you don't know Lauren and I, we have uh, two-year-old twins and Haddon and Carolina Tate, and they're kind of getting out of this stage. They've just recently been in a stage where they get really excited about things and they really don't know why. They're just excited because we're excited. So we could say, hey guys, we're going to go to the garage. And they're like, garage! They get so excited. Or, you know, it's actually been, again, we're coming out of this phase, but it's been nice as we're trying to get them to eat all kinds of food. It's been nice to say, hey, we're going to have some broccoli for dinner. And they go, broccoli, broccoli. And then, of course, once they get to eat it, it's not the same reaction. But for a moment, they're really, really excited um, because they don't really know why they're excited. They're just excited because we're excited. I mean, I think for so many of us, that can be what Easter is like, that you're, you're pumped, you're excited, it's Easter. And then you're like, I don't really know exactly why I'm so excited. If someone were to say, hey, why do you love Easter so much? What are you so excited about? You might go, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like we're supposed to be, so I am. For others of you, a metaphor I might use to describe your, your view towards Easter could be the way that what we've all experienced with the coronavirus. What I mean is there's certain things that had you known it would have been your last, you might have treated it a little bit more differently. Had you known the significance of the moment, you might have been more into it. So what I mean is, had you known that it would be the last time you would see some of your extended family for several weeks, or maybe even, hopefully not, but a, a couple months, um, you might have handled your interaction with them a little bit differently had you known the significance, the weight of that moment. Or if you knew that it would be the last time that you would go to that particular place of work and be able to actually work in the office with your peers, with your friends that you love working with, maybe you would have handled that situation a little more differently. You would have been into it a little bit more. I don't know about you guys, but um, man, I am looking forward to the day when I can eat in a restaurant again. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so had my wife and I known it would be the last time for a while that we could sit in a restaurant together, we might have treated it a little bit different, a little more special because we would have realized the weight of it, the significance of it. I think for so many of us, maybe you're not like my kids, maybe you're more like this in that Easter comes every year and the significance of it just kind of brushes past you. It's like you kind of go through it with your eyes closed because, okay, I'm supposed to be excited, but you miss the weight of what what we celebrate today. So I think it's a fair question. Why is Easter such a big deal? Why is the resurrection of Jesus such a big deal? Well, the good news is, and what I love about our faith, you don't just have to take my word for it. We get to hear someone who was actually an eyewitness, saw the resurrected Christ. We get to hear him tell us why Easter is so important, why the resurrection is so important. So hey, if you have your Bible or if you're on your phone, whatever, 
turn with me to the book of First Peter. This is actually where the passage we're going to study today is the passage um, that Pastor David referenced in his uh, sermon in the previous uh, service about an hour ago. We're going to be in First Peter chapter one, verse three. And a couple of things about Peter. So Peter was one of the disciples of Christ. He literally walked with Jesus. And one thing that is, and hopefully you find a comfort in this, what's amazing about his story is he actually denied Christ, like was fearful to live for Christ. Christ still showed him love. You could almost even really say restored Peter. And then Peter was never the same. Peter was never fearful again. He always lived in boldness after that. He actually even gave his life. He died for the cause of Christ. If there was someone that was 100% absolute sure of the resurrection of Jesus, it was Peter. And we get to hear him tell us why Easter is such a big deal, why the resurrection is such a big deal. Man, this is so cool. And, and Peter, when he starts off in verse three, he's pretty pumped up. And I hope you be pumped up too. If you're a Christian, I mean, you have a reason to be excited this morning. If you're not a Christian, I want you to see that you could have a reason to be really, really excited. So join with me in reading in verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So we're, we're not quite to why Easter is such a big deal, but we got to unpack a little bit of this here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. So in Christ, we can be born again. And it, how? He says it's through the, res, down in the end of verse three, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you being born into a new life is made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. Why did he want to give you a new life? Why did he want to give you the potential to have a new life in him? It says, not because you're really awesome, not because you try really hard, not because you're really spiritual, not because you have it all together. No, it says in verse two, or excuse me, verse three, that is according to his great mercy. So it's not something you deserved. It's not something you worked for. Again, like we said last week, good people don't go to heaven. It's people who know the grace and mercy of Jesus by faith. Those people go to heaven. So he says it's according to his great mercy that he's caused us to be born again. Man, this, this is huge. So born again into a new life. So he doesn't cause us to go from a bad person to a good person. No, he calls us to go from death to life. He doesn't cause, when you come to Christ for salvation, he doesn't cause you to go from a non-religious person to a religious person. No, he causes you to go from a person who has no relationship with God to a person who has a relationship with God. He calls you to not just be someone who kind of believes in supernatural things. He calls you to actually become a person who gets to experience supernatural things by the Holy Spirit working inside of you. How incredible is that? So you're born again. Let's stop and think about that too, the term born again. That's a really important term for Christians, that you have a new life in Christ. You're made new. And when you're made new, you do begin eventually to be transformed from having bad, evil desires to you want to do what God desires. But let's point out that being born again is just the beginning. 
No one, <laughs> you do this, this is really creepy. No one says, you know, the highlight, highlight of my life was being born. <laughs> that was just the greatest experience. That's, don't say that, that's creepy, right? That wasn't the best part of your life. It's the beginning of great things to come. And so it is with Christ, that when you come to him by grace through faith, you trust in Jesus, the finished work of Christ on the cross, that he paid the price for your sins. It's the beginning, a new birth of a new life walking with him, of an incredible journey walking with him. And again, it's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what are we born again into? By the way, like before I answer that question, let's just stop and think about it. How crazy is that? Jesus was dead, completely dead, and rose from the grave. <laughs> no one else has ever done that. He got up. Well, we could stop right there, right? It's amazing. Jesus literally, breath came into his lungs, his heart began to beat. He got up from the grave. Man, that's incredible. So, what is his resurrection? What does this new birth bring us into? So return to the original question. Why is Easter, why is the resurrection such a big deal? Well, he's going to tell us. He's going to give us two reasons. I'm going to read this whole passage again, verses three through five, and then we'll point him out. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we're gonna look at what he points out in verse four. The first thing we're gonna see is that because Jesus rose from the dead, the best is yet to come. We'll say it again. If you know Christ, because Jesus rose from the dead, because he got up for you, the best is yet to come. He says it's an inheritance, an eternal inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And it's kept in heaven. So when I say the best is yet to come, we just don't mean in this life. We mean in heaven, that an eternal reward, eternal inheritance is waiting for you in heaven. And I love that he says it's undefiled, it's imperishable, it can't be corrupted. Man, this is really good news right now. God's inheritance for you as his child is an inheritance that is not affected by the stock market. There's coming a day where you're not going to have to, actually, even now, you don't have to worry about, man, is like if oil tanks in West Texas, if the industry of oil and, and gas like just falters, which I'm not saying it's going to, but if it does, like, man, am I still going to have a reward in heaven? Absolutely, you will. Your inheritance is kept secure by God the Father, and no one can touch it. No greedy family member is going to take the inheritance that God has for you. Man, what? a reward that, that can't be touched. It's always relevant. It's not like, think about even today's currency. It, it can come and go as the years go by. But God's currency in heaven, it's always good. That reward is never going to tarnish. It's never going to fade. It's always there. And so Peter's saying, we can rejoice in that. We can have hope in that the best is yet to come for us. I could lose everything on this earth, but the best is still waiting on me because of what Christ did for me. I don't have to worry about my inheritance in heaven. It kind of makes me think sometimes doing um, 
counseling with young couples before they get married and then on the day of or the weekend of their wedding. It's always so fun. Some of y'all have experienced this. The, they really feel the pressure, the tension of the wedding day itself. You know what I mean? Of like, man, are our pictures gonna be just right? Is, are the tables gonna be decorated just right? Is the food gonna be perfect? Are our family members gonna be, be getting along? There's so much weight in that moment. One of my favorite things to do is to call uh, the bride and the groom. Normally the, the bride feels just a little bit more heavy than the groom, but to call the bride and groom together and say, hey, look, I know there's a lot happening right now in this moment, but I promise you, unless something crazy that I can't help happens, I promise you, as the pastor of the wedding, the efficient of the wedding, I promise you, I'm gonna get you married. Come rain or shine, or if it snows or storm breaks out, or if everyone else leaves, it's my duty. I'm gonna get you married. And I always love, like in that moment, they always kind of laugh because it's like, wait, you're right. Like the whole point of this day is that we get married. Like the flowers are nice, the cookies are nice, the cake is nice, the family is nice. But really the point is that you get married. And once they realize, hey, that is coming. Today may be crazy, but we're, it's coming. We're going to get married. It's amazing to see the, the relief and the joy that comes on their faces. I think there's a similar idea, idea here that, man, today may be crazy, but we know that our heavenly father is guarding our inheritance and that that is coming. We can be sure that we're gonna get to be with him in heaven. By the way, that's the greatest inheritance that we get to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's think about for a second, what is, what is heaven like? In the book of Revelation, when John tried to describe heaven, so often as he was describing it, was describing it, he would say, it's like this, or it's like this. He tried to use human words, human descriptions to describe it, but he couldn't quite do it justice. Think about this fact, that Jesus, the one who loved you to the point of death on a cross, he said he was going to prepare a place for you. And in his father's house, there are many, many rooms. There's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. Audio adrenaline, if you grew up in church, you know what song I'm talking about. But Jesus the lover of our souls, our savior has gone to prepare a place for us. Think about how beautiful this world is, even though it is broken and marred and tainted by sin. Even still, there are some beautiful places. In heaven, nothing that God has created will be marred or tainted or broken by sin. We can't even begin to imagine how beautiful it's going to be. It's going to be bigger and better and more beautiful, more enjoyable than anything we've ever seen or could even imagine. And Peter says, that is yours. With Christ at the centerpiece, that's yours. Maybe another way you could describe it, thinking about that longing. And think about if you've ever taken a road trip to the mountains or to the beach. And so much can go wrong on the road trip, especially driving from Lubbock to the beach. It's a long ways, right? Or even getting up to the heart of the Rockies. It could be a pretty long ways. But as long as you know it, the mountains are there. Like our car may break down. Our snacks may grow stale. <laughs> we may get frustrated along the way, but ultimately the mountains are there. And we're going to the beach. We may have difficulty. Our, our, we have a, may have a tire blowout. We may have trouble on the road, but ultimately the beach is there. And that is where we're going. And the beach, the mountains, they're going to be beautiful and well worth the travel. That's the idea that Peter has here of, man, like, there's difficulty in this world, but there's an inheritance, an eternal reward that is 
there that is untouchable waiting for you and is made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. That's why Easter, one of the reasons why Easter is such a big deal because it secures our eternal reward in heaven. The best is yet to come. So what does it mean for today? It means we're not going to lose heart. It means we're not going to grow weary when things aren't going just as we planned. Here's the reality. You may feel like right now, because of the way your business is going, your organization, or your finances in general, your bank account, you may feel like you've lost everything. But if you know Jesus, the promise of scripture is that you have not lost everything. The coronavirus has no grip on your eternal reward in heaven. The stock market in the USA does not determine your eternal reward in heaven. No, Jesus does. So you can rest in that. It's untouchable. Makes me think of a friend in uh, India. His name is Vishal, and his dad uh, is Ved. And Ved grew up in a small Hindu village, and him uh, and his brother both were growing up as Hindus, raised as Hindus. And his brother, Ved's brother, was a a pretty terrible man. Just for fun, he would get drunk and then go beat Christians nothing with what they had done. They had not said anything to him. He would just go beat Christians because he was drunk and he was a Hindu and he hated Christians. I'm going to kind of read some of his story uh, as Vishal told it to me. Um, Eventually his brother, so Ved's brother, went to uh, a big city to find some work. And while he was in this big city, a Christian there shared the gospel with him and Ved's brother, actually, so this man who had been beating Christians, actually became a Christian. When he got back to his small Hindu, Hindu village, people in the community actually were skeptical. Skeptical. They doubted if he had actually come to Christ. But Ved saw such a change in his brother that he too came to Christ. Now I know in the states we man we celebrate that and we get excited and. And in India, Christian believers celebrate that as well. But the reality is, in so many places around the world, including India, when other people find out that you've become a Christian, it leads to hardship. They don't celebrate with you. So Ved and his brother and his family, they began to essentially be excommunicated from the community. They weren't allowed to get water from the same well. People in the community in the village no longer wanted to uh, trade food or trade goods. And so they would have to travel these ridiculous distances to go and just get the basic necessities of life. But listen to what Ved told. I got to meet Ved uh, a couple years ago when I was in India. And here's what Ved told me after years of this experience. He said, they can take our homes and they can even take our land, but they cannot keep us from our final destination. Man. That is humbling and that is powerful. But here's the reality. That because Jesus rose from the dead, we can say along with Mr. Ved that the best is yet to come. That no matter what this world throws at us, it can't touch our eternal reward in heaven with Christ. And it can't keep us from our final destination with Jesus. And all of that is made possible by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So why is Easter such a big deal? The first reason It's because Jesus rose from the dead. The best is yet to come. Here's here's what's beautiful about this passage. Peter's going to show us that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just 
affect and change our tomorrow. It affects and changes our today. It doesn't just change your future. It changes your fight today. I want to read, starting in verse three, one more time. We'll see the second thing, at least in this passage, why Easter is such a big deal. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here's the second thing we see why Easter is such a big deal, why the resurrection of Jesus is such a big deal. Because Jesus rose from the dead, nothing can hold you down. Or to say say it another way, because Jesus got up, nothing can hold you down. Because you have a living hope. How do we have a living hope? It's because we have a living, risen Savior. Because the tomb is empty. It's a living hope. It's not a future. One day we'll have hope. It's right now. We have a hope that is very alive and real because our Savior, Jesus Christ, is absolutely 100% alive and real. Amen. Y'all with me at your home? Hopefully so. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. (laughs) Here's what's so cool about this too. Because it's a living hope, when Jesus rose from the dead and walked out of that grave, it was a 100% guarantee stamp that whatever would try to hold you down to prevent hope in your life, Jesus assures ultimate victory over that. Now, we may not experience that victory till heaven, but ultimately because of Christ, we will have victory because of his resurrection, because his victory, when we place our faith in Christ, his victory becomes our victory. My buddy Garrett, he says that when Christ rose from the dead, that he became a victor over all your stuff, whatever your stuff may be. Depression, anxiety, addiction, worry, sin, eating your lunch every single day. Man, hope is yours because, because Jesus got up out of the grave. We have a living hope of freedom, of victory, and ultimately of heaven. Not because we're awesome, but because Jesus rose from the dead. And and thinking how to picture how this affects us. See, Romans 8 says that when Jesus or because Jesus rose from the dead and eventually gave us, sent the Holy Spirit, says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. And that Jesus, ultimately, when, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he came back with all the keys. So Jesus, yes, he busted out of his grave, but the reality is Jesus loves to bust other people out of their graves. Yes, for salvation from death to life, but when it says living hope, it's, it's, again, living hope for even the things I face now. Not just that it changes my eternal destiny, but it changes now. And the, the stones in front of our lives that cover the graves that we feel like prevent us from moving forward in our walk with Christ and from being free from whatever it may be, that seem impenetrable. It seems like we can't move it. We can't roll away. I'll never change. I'll never get over this. To Jesus, it's nothing. Because he loves to bust open graves. And he has the power to do that. So that stone in your life that is a wound, 
that feels like, man, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to have hope because of this. I'm never going to get relief from this. Jesus says, I, I know that's a big deal to you and you can't really move that. But bro, to me, this, I, 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 I can take care of that. Like that's, that's nothing. You, you can walk out of the grave. You can be free because I love to bust people out of their graves. Man, for some of you, the stone that's kind of holding you back from freedom in Christ and the hope in Christ is, is worry. Man, we've all felt that these days, worry and anxiety. And it feels like you can't budget, you can't move it. But Jesus says, no, in me, you have a living hope. And for me, rolling away that stone, that's nothing. For others of you, maybe that stone holding you back in your life is, is addiction doing the same sin over and over and over again. It feels like this stone will never be rolled away from your life. It's never going to be moved. You're always going to be stuck in this prison of sin. And Jesus says, because I rose from the grave, you have a living hope. And if you'll come to me, I can take that stone and roll it away so you can walk out of the grave and be free. See, Jesus loves to turn graves into gardens and invite you out. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're struggling with, Jesus says, in me, you have a living hope. Amen. And so because of that, Peter says, we rejoice. We rejoice that we have a living hope in Christ. Yes, this life is difficult. Yes, it can be frustrated, but we have living hope in Jesus. So what are the, what are the two things really, I think in this text that Peter shows us why Easter is such a big deal, why the resurrection is such a big deal. It's one, because Jesus rose from the dead, the best is yet to come. And number two, because Jesus rose from the dead, nothing can hold you down. You have a living hope and nothing can keep you in, hold you down. His resurrection is a promise to you of ultimately it's your bodily resurrection, but also living, breathing life with God, the living God right now. He says, stones, not a problem for me. I can roll those away. So here's the reality. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you don't have to live as a victim. You can live as a victor. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you don't have to live in this constant mindset of failure. You can live knowing you are a forgiven person. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you don't have to live same old, same, same old, same old struggles. No, you can realize you are a new creation in Christ. As 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that, behold, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come if you are in Christ. Man, if you know Jesus, the best is yet to come and you have a living hope. And that's good stuff. That's, that's why we celebrate. And if you're not a Christian, that's why you could celebrate. If you will turn to Christ. I'll talk about that more in just a second. I love how Peter finishes this passage because I think as you're reading or, or listening this morning, you say, yeah, that's all good. But bro, this life is tough. Like, this life is hard. So you're talking about living hope. You're talking about best is yet to come. But what about right now? This, this feels tough right now. I love that God is not afraid of your problems or your questions. And he actually just kind of answers it for us. He dives right in. Look at verse six. He says, in this, so in that the best is yet to come and in that nothing can hold us down because we have a living hope all through the resurrection of Christ. In this, in those ideas, you rejoice. We should. Though now for a little while, 
So in the grand scheme of eternity, the suffering we experience on this earth is very short, very little. Though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. As you read through the rest of First Peter, you realize that they were undergoing some serious persecution and that's a lot of what Peter writes about. But when he says various trials, he's referring to trials of all kinds, of sickness, of death, of loss of wealth, of difficulty in your family, whatever it may be. You've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is amazing. He's saying that as you go through these trials, God uses these to refine your faith, to make it a more beautiful, a more solid faith. And the result, this is amazing. We know that ultimately all glory, all honor goes to Christ. But he says in verse seven, that when Christ comes again, that because he's refined our faith as we've gone through these trials, they'll even be glory for us. I think this would be in the simple sense, well done, my good and faithful servant. So what a cool idea. Yes, this world has its struggles. This world has its strife. But even so, God is refining me and shaping my faith and molding me to be more like him so that when I get to see him, when I do get to that, the best is yet to come, get to heaven, he's actually going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. There's a paradox here. There's something unexpected. While we should look forward to that and say, man, that I have, because of the resurrection of Christ, I have a living hope. The best is yet to come for me. And I can rejoice in that, even though this world has troubles. And I'm going to rejoice knowing that as he's refining my faith, that one day he'll say, well done, and good, well done, good and faithful servant. The paradox is that Peter points out that's not actually what's most exciting, what's best. We're almost there. Read a little further. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Man, this is, this is incredible. He's saying, as good as that is, what you love most and what you desire most is to see Jesus, to worship him as great as the reward of heaven will be and as great as it will be for him to say, well done, good and faithful service, servant. What is more exciting, what is really fills us with an inexpressible joy is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Even in the midst of suffering. And to those of you who aren't Christians, and maybe even, maybe you are a Christian, that may sound crazy to you. But here's the reality. Because Jesus has changed everything for us, he has become our everything. He's our everything. So Peter's right. And we rejoice and we have this inexpressible joy. Even though we can't physically see him, we love and love Jesus and long to see him. Because he's our everything. And all of that is made possible by the cross. 
Now, what do we do with that? How we respond? If you're a Christian, it's to rejoice. It's, it's to praise in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you. To, to, like Peter says, blessed is God. I'm going to rejoice. But the reality is, I, I know you're like me sometimes. You may not be feeling that this morning. You're like, uh, I, a long time ago, had that fire burning in my heart for Jesus, but I'm not feeling that right now. The way that you stoke the fire of living hope is to simply fix your eyes on the living Savior. Now, if you're, if you're watching this morning, you're like, man, I, he talks about living hope. I'm not really sensing that. The way you stoke the fire of living hope is to set your eyes, to fix your eyes on a living, risen Savior. Man, we don't have, that's a whole different sermon on how you do that day to day. The best way is to get in scripture and to talk to him. We actually have some great resources on the South Crest website of what it looks like to get into scripture. We'd love to point you that direction to fix your eyes on Jesus, your living savior, so he can stir up, stoke the flame of living hope in your heart. Maybe you're watching this morning and you're like, bro, Okay, Easter's a big deal, it's cool, but I still have some questions. I'm not sure I'm all in on this Jesus thing. I don't really know about it. Well, you're in good company. Peter had a good friend named Thomas who was like, until I see the side or the, the hole in his side and the nail marks in his hands, I'm not gonna believe. And Jesus wasn't like, how dare he? So disrespectful. No, Jesus was like, hey, hey bro, come, come take a look. Jesus is not scared of your questions or your, or your doubts if you'll just come to him. And when you come to him, you can find that the best is yet to come and he offers you a living hope. Maybe you're watching this morning and you would say, Brandon, I think I've just gone too far. I don't think Jesus, his, his grace reaches far enough. I don't think his love reaches far enough to save me. I just wanna tell you, it's just not true what you're thinking. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Here's the reality. Jesus went to the point of death on a cross, went to the depths of hell to save your soul. Please don't tell him he didn't go far enough to save you. That's like a little child, my little two-year-old girl saying, dad, dad, I don't think you're strong enough to pick me up. Are you kidding me? You weigh like 20 pounds, girl. I can do this. When you tell Jesus, I don't think your love or your grace is enough for me. He says, are you kidding me? Look to the cross. His grace is sufficient for you. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to turn to him for salvation, simply to repent from your sins and say, Jesus, I believe that you are God, the son, and that you paid the price for my sins. Now you offer me a living hope. And I want to turn from my sin and turn to you to be the savior of my life. And for you to be the Lord of my life, God, whatever you want to do, you're in charge of my life now. When you turn to him for salvation, when you call upon the name of the Lord, scripture says you will be saved, no doubt about it. Your salvation is just as sure as Jesus got up out of that grave. Man, if you made some sort of decision this morning, we would love to know about that and love to talk with you. So if you would, hit the connect button. If you're on southcrestlive.tv, if you're on Facebook, reach out to us there. Or even shoot me an email at brandonh at southcrest.org. And we'd love to see what God is doing in your life. But whatever the case, if you are a Christian, we have reason to celebrate this morning, to rejoice. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to do just that. I know we're getting closer to lunchtime, but I want us to sing together and rejoice in all that Easter means, all that the resurrection of Christ means. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, we are grateful for your love. We're grateful for the fact that the best is yet to come and we're grateful for the fact that we have a living hope that nothing can hold us down because of what you've accomplished. So Lord, I pray that as we sing right now, that it would be a time of rejoicing, that we do have a reason to be excited because you got up out of the grave and gave us a living hope. And no grave that we find ourselves in is too big or too tall or too strong or too old for you because you are a living, risen Savior. So God, we pray that as we sing, we fix our eyes on you, you would stir the fire of living hope in our lives. So in your name we pray, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.